This is the How'd You Get Into That Podcast with Graham Baldwin, episode 45. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another delightful episode of how'd you get into that? My name is Grant, and it's great to have you here with us as we're uh, we're hanging out, and hopefully uh, we're bringing you another encouraging, inspiring episode of the show and interview, and just uh, helping you find and do work you love. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what we are all about with this show, and we hope that this podcast is helping you just to think through and kind of just stretch your thinking of what is possible in terms of work. Because we say this a lot, but life is too short to do something you hate. So there's too many people who live life where it's like, thank God it's Friday. Oh God, it's Monday. And they just live like life like that week after week after week. But hopefully the stories of the people that we're sharing with you on the show are just helping you realize that there's there's a lot of possibilities beyond just doing something that you hate, just doing something for the sake of a paycheck. We all got to work. We all got to eat and live indoors. Those things are important. We value those things on the show. But we all got to work. Why can't we find and do work we love? So hopefully uh, the show's in uh, providing some of that inspiration to you. So thanks for listening. Really means a lot. Appreciate you being here. We got a uh, great show for you today. Before we get into that, I just want to give you a heads up. After today's interview with our guest, we're going to be doing a, uh, a giveaway this week. Uh, we're going to be giving away five books from one of my favorite authors, Seth Godin. So we're going to give away five books, all five, one bundle, one pack one set one kit of knowledge goodness so uh, stick around after the interview i'll tell you how to win those all right today's interview is with my friend jeremy meyer and uh, jeremy is a guy who started his career i kid you not wait for it in a boy band not just any boy band. This was like a legit boy band. I kid you not. And so we talk a lot about that and what his life was like living the life of a boy band. This was like, uh, we're talking like early 2000s or so. Like this was the height of Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, NSYNC, all of it. So we talk about hair gel and dance moves on this interview. Today, Jeremy is big, big, big into into CrossFit. He owns a couple of gyms or boxes, as they are called, I, I've heard. It tells you how little I know about CrossFit. I, I did a workout with Jeremy once, and I'll, I'll tell you about it uh, in this episode. But yeah, so we talk a lot about that transition. How do you go from being in a boy band, like a, like that is your career, being in a boy band, to being a like heavy into the CrossFit world? So we get into all that today. So let's get into it. Here you go. Here's my friend. Jeremy Meyer. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, I'm joined by my friend Jeremy Meyer, who uh, runs a CrossFit gym today. But not only that, if we backtrack a little bit, which we'll get into, this man has been in a legit boy band. And so uh, excited to talk. He can, he can laugh if he wants, but it's true. So yes, we'll, we'll get into it. So, it is true. Jeremy, what's up, man? How you doing? Hi, Grant. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and share my story. Yeah, man. It'll be fun. So today, you're primarily like in the CrossFit world, which obviously, you know, is just blown up in the past few years and, and you know, massively popular and, and a lot of uh, potential business opportunities and stuff there that you could get into. So give us a snapshot. What's your business like today? What is it that you do? I own two CrossFit affiliates. One is CrossFit Springfield, and then there's one on the east side of town in Springfield, Missouri. That is CrossFit Springfield East. And uh, we started in 2007, 2008, around there. And uh, 
we used to run our classes and there was barely anybody there, but kind of one of our one of our biggest uh, core values has been whether we've got one person or five people or 50 people in the room, just pour into them and give them our best. And um, so we've grown. We are around around 600 members uh, between the two facilities and we've got a strong community, great coaches. And uh, I do that. I've, I've been a competitor. I've competed over the past several years and um, at the at the CrossFit Games level. And then also... Uh, run an event here in town that's called the Heart of America CrossFit Competition, or it's an affiliate team event, and um, we've got teams from around the country that come in and compete. Nice, very good. I mean, so it sounds like you know you've, you've kind of had this interest in, in CrossFit and have been able to go a couple different directions and have your hands in it a few different ways, from the you know owning a, a gym to and they call it a box, right? Yeah, it's kind of the slang is like yeah, because it's just a four walls and you know a tin roof a lot of times it's kind of more industrial space so it's just a, a box setting real bare bones minimalist and that, that shows you how little i know about like I, I went a couple times to your facility there and your uh, one of your business partners threw me through it and uh i like i like to think i'm in decent shape like i've done some marathons and triathlons and stuff but good lord like a 20 minute warm-up with them was brutal so you guys are doing something <laughs> right over there yeah. So anyway, so you like you own a box, then you host some competition. Plus, you also do some competing yourself. So again, it's it's a good example of like I'm into this one thing, but there's a bunch of different ways that you can make a living with that and, and kind of bring it together to uh, have different pieces of the pie that contribute to something bigger. Yeah, I think no matter what trade or career path that you're on, uh, the more that you know, it's a balance between diversifying your skill set and, and being able to uh, utilize everything that's your strength zones, but then also not spreading yourself too thin. And so I'm a big believer at uh, find those things that you're not just passionate about, but you're also really, really good at and you can do them at a really high level. And one thing you don't want to do is go to a restaurant that's got like a million things on the menu and they just kind of do average at, at everything. I'd rather do one or two things really well. Right. So that's kind of been you know, for me is, and just like everybody on their, their, their journey and their path, trying to find, okay, what are the things that I'm, I'm passionate about, but I also have the skill sets to, to do it at a high level. Yeah. I think there's a real truth there that like, just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you can, you're good at it. You know, I, I may be passionate about CrossFit, but if I, you know, if I'm scrawny little dude, like I am now, then that's, you know, it's not really going to translate well to doing anything on a significant level. So making sure that you've got like the actual chops to like go along with it, such a huge deal. So, so let's get into your journey a little bit. Obviously, you, you know, you're doing a lot in the CrossFit space today, but this hasn't always been the case. So we actually, a uh, little fun fact, we actually went to high school together. I think you were a couple years ahead of me. And then what did you do after high school? So immediately after high school, I started, I was going to school at a um, Missouri State University. It was SMS at the time and uh, Southwest Missouri State at the time. And man, just not cut out for like getting out of high school and, and being focused like in school. That was not my thing. Like I was not doing well in school. I was kind of all over the place. I actually accepted a vocal performance scholarship and was getting ready to be put on like academic probation and everything because I just I kind of got into it and then realized yeah there's a lot more to this than just getting on stage and performing like there's the theory and there's the sightseeing there's the keyboard and there's all this stuff and I just was kind of like eh. I wasn't interested in doing all that stuff I just wanted to do the fun stuff get on stage and perform you know so oddly enough that summer I believe or that fall 
of the following year, the, the first year that I'd gone to school, I got a phone call from a guy who had seen me sing whenever I was in high school. I uh, used to sing, you know, national anthem or sing at a talent show or a play or whatever. And I remember um, those assemblies. Yeah, I rem- you had a yes, voice. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was all right. It was something that I I loved to do, and I grew up doing. Kind of grew up in a musical family, and I had people tell me all the time, "You need to, you know, you need to make a demo, and you need to send it here. You need to try to, you know, pursue that." And I really kind of had this mindset of if it's meant to be, it'll kind of come to fruition. And I uh, never really pursued anything, but ended up having a guy that was, he was a tour manager for uh, this artist named Natalie Grant. And um, he had seen me sing and then he knew a rep at Atlantic Records that was wanting to put this pop group together and basically a boy band. And yeah, let's just, we got to call it, we got to call it what it is. It's a boy we band. We got to call it what it is. Yeah, it's totally, totally boy band, which was Super cool at the time, <laughs> not really. But well, what, um, what year was this? Because I mean, this was at the time of you've got you know in sync and ninety eight degrees and Backstreet Boys and all those. So yeah, you guys. Was, I mean, you guys were basically following that model, right? Yeah, it was like nineteen ninety nine, uh, nineteen ninety eight, right in there. So yeah, I. Long story short, I basically uh, took a flight out to San Francisco and sang for the vice president of Atlantic Records. And it was funny because I even see, looking back on that, how just the timing and how things kind of fell together. Like I had a, you know, to say that I wasn't nervous would would not be, you know, accurate. But I was I was a little bit nervous. But it also the timing of how everything came together it was very very quick, and I didn't have a lot of time to think or to stew over it. Like I think that's really big key of in terms of people kind of going with their gut and their instinct a lot of times on uh, getting an opportunity in acting and not sometimes sitting and, and giving yourself the opportunity to talk yourself out of it. I was asked, do I want to take this opportunity to fly out to Cali and perform? And I was like, sure, why not? Yeah. You know? I mean, I've never been west of Denver. Why don't I just like take the plunge and do it? If nothing else, it'll just be a good opportunity to see a big city. Makes so, a good, it makes a good story someday. Exactly. Well, I did it and went out there and they were like, we want you to do this. And it was like within three months, I was moved out to downtown San Francisco, like Southern Van Ness, like near Union Square, just in the heart of the city. I was super overwhelmed. I was like, oh my gosh, this isn't insane. Just coming from a small town in the Midwest. But it was a cool experience uh, for, for three or four years. I, I, uh, recorded and toured and uh we ended up headlining our own tours and uh had a close to our first album was gold and it ended up being settling out kind of close to platinum but never established platinum status but we had good success within the, the music industry for the time period that we were at and when again got, we no, to that? jump in whenever you got out there to san francisco they just paired you up with four other dudes like did you know these guys at all or connect with them at all no, I didn't know any of them. So there was two of the guys that knew each other and the other couple guys. We ended up have to switching a couple dudes out. But I mean, it was cool, though. Everybody, you know, for the most part, we got along. It was kind of I, I really look at that period of my life kind of as even though I ended up going back to school and getting my degree, I kind of looked at that time frame as like my, my college experience. Right. Because um, we were just kind of like, you know, just dorm roomed up all four of us five of us living in pretty close quarters for for two or three years whether that be like a condo or on the tour bus or an airplane or in a 
van, we were working together to to tour and make it go. No, from the outside looking in, you're you know most people be like, oh man, a boy band. That's boy, that's a luxurious life right there. But I'm sure <laughs> it's not as as glamorous as it, as it might seem. Oh, it was. You know, I have always said this. Like anything. You probably see this in your traveling around and doing a lot of public speaking engagements and everything. It's like no matter what, everything you do turns into there's a job aspect of it. Sure. So there's a there's a lot of stuff that I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was cool and getting to travel and tour and wake up in a different city and stay in hotels all the time and all that stuff was cool. But yeah, there was the grunt work aspect of it as well of like pulling into a new city and having like call time at like 5 a.m., 4 a.m., getting rolled out of the tour bus and like going right on the air, like these radio DJs expecting you to like sing at five in the morning. You're just like, oh, you just woke up, you know? Right. But it was fun. I mean, again, to be in my early 20s and get to uh, travel and experience a lot of the things that I got to, it was pretty cool just culturally and, and, and even just going to different regions within our country. I was, yep. it was, I was amazed at the diversity just within our, within our country. It was cool. Yeah. I've had the same experience. So I've been able to, uh, I've been to 48 States and spoken in big major cities and big arenas and then small little tiny podunk areas that nobody's ever heard of. And it's just cool to see just different, different parts of the country or different parts of the world that you wouldn't normally think of, but it's just, it just gives you a different perspective on life. Absolutely. And I see how God kind of prepared me in a lot of ways uh, for what I'm doing now in terms of just being able to relate to different types of people and just personalities and everything, having to float in from, you know, another state in, in 20, 30 minutes, like get on par with the event promoter and the radio DJs that are there and everybody and like be on the same page. And so it's good. Did you ever have a, a moment where uh, you're touring, you're singing, you're doing that deal? You have a moment just like, holy crap, how'd I end up here? Like, <laughs> this is just kind of a whole, yeah. whole thing's got to be a pretty surreal experience. Oh, for sure. I mean, we, I will say this. One thing that I've always tried to do, though, was no matter what it is that I'm doing, is take, take two seconds to stop and really take in the moment. <laughs> I did that a lot, man. We, we performed at a, at a Lakers game. I was singing the national anthem before Lakers game and like just being out there on the floor and like being able to like high five some of those players like at the time, Kobe Bryant and Shaq and all this. I mean, those guys were just like running around right next to us. Yeah. They were playing the Sacramento Kings and Chris Weber was down there. And, uh, you know, he came That's over afterward and like. I was though it was old school. You gotta remember, this is like early two thousands. But right. those, a lot of those experiences I'll take with me, and I just the opportunity to meet and uh, see a lot of people. I met Muhammad Ali. Uh, that was a really cool experience. And wow. I don't know, but yeah, there, there was fun. There was there was a lot of moments like that where I was like, Ali, this is this is kind of crazy. What what I'm what I'm getting to do right now this is cool. Did you? I mean, obviously the the shelf life for most you know, bands or artists in general isn't real long. So did you feel like, you know, this is just a season and it's going to kind of run its course? Or do you feel like, no, I think I want to do something in music, whether it's, you know, being on stage or being behind the mic or whatever. Did you feel like this is it? I need to do something with music? Or you just kind of feel like, eh, just kind of, it's a phase and it comes and it goes and then we'll, we'll figure out what's next. That's awesome question. I actually never thought that I would do anything else but be in music. I, I think... That was part of me being kind of naive at that time. I think it's like a lot of like professional athletes. They think that like they don't see anything other than what's right in front of them. And I literally was like, I used to have people ask me, 
would you ever go back to school? And I would kind of like laugh. I'd be like, why would I even consider that? Like, <laughs> I'm in a boy I'm, band. Are you kidding me? I'm in a boy band. This will never end. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be in a boy band forever. Like, but I mean, in some ways, I I think that I figured I would stay in the music industry and um, that I would, you know, play music and maybe get into writing or producing or whatever. So it's really cool, man. Like going forward from there, it was interesting because as I, as I kind of turned the page on that, uh, and a lot, a big piece of that was that Jenny, my my wife that I've been married to now for eleven years, we kind of got to a place in our relationship where I was like, okay, it's going to be really hard for me to like continue to pursue this music thing and like keep Jenny as my girlfriend. Right. Like at some point, she was ready for me to go. Okay, like. Are you going to shift career gears? Are we going to settle down? And I had that desire. I did. I wanted to be close to family. I've always been a big family guy. So Jenny and I, I remember, I'll never forget the day that we we talked and prayed about everything. And I could kind of see the writing on the wall with the pop music industry and everything. Like things were changing. The landscape of music was changing. This is now 2003, 2004. Although it was a huge, huge, huge kind of like wake up call in terms of, okay, well now what, now what am I going to do? I decided to stop with the music stuff and uh, decided I was going to go back to school. And it was really interesting because, you know, like a lot of people go, they see the the boy band stuff that I did and now they look at the CrossFit stuff. But like we, to fill in the gaps, there was a lot that went on in between there. I've done, I actually went immediately after the music industry and started, uh, I worked at a, uh, a the Hilton that's downtown in Nashville and just started valeting cars. And you know, it was really cool. My dad said this to me one time. He goes, you know, I knew that you were going to be okay whenever you left the band and, uh, and you, you were willing to do whatever you needed to do to transition to a new career. And it was funny, dude. I was like, I was valeting cars for artists that used to open up for us, like, because they do the GMA, you know, they do like the gospel music awards. So like I was sitting there working as a, as a concierge and valet down there. And like the cars would roll through during GMA week. And like these artists that used to open up for us, we were like getting out and I was like taking their bags to their room, but with a big fat smile on my face. I mean, they probably felt more awkward about it than I did. I really was just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do, and I remember praying this with my wife, with Jenny, but when I left the band, I remember going, okay, God, whatever you have next for me, I'm just going to do, I'll do whatever it is and I'll just do it to the best of my ability and I'll give an honest effort. So anyway, I, I valeted cars. Jenny and I decided that we moved back to Springfield and I'd go back to school for uh, sports medicine is what I went back to school for athletic training. I landscaped when I got back here, I worked as a landscaper which I think everybody needs to do at some point in their life. <laughs> Hard <laughs> manual labor. Yes, everyone needs to do it. And it's like, I think it's so rewarding. <laughs> you know, it's like, that was like probably in terms of just kind of odd job stuff, like that was, um, that was one of my favorite things that I did was just like working all day on a project and then standing back at the end of the day and going, 
man, that house looks great. Yeah. <laughs> we just did that. <laughs> you well, know, I think to jump in, I think a couple observations here of like one is you're like, as you're wrapping up the band stuff and it, like, it was cool. It was a really cool experience. I think, I think it's fine to just acknowledge like it's a season of life. You know, I think sometimes people just get so hung up on trying to figure out like, what's the one thing that I want to do with my career forever rather than just being like, no, I'm going to do like, I'm going to take this flight to San Francisco. I'm going to do this thing. It's going to run for, you know, three, four, five years, or whatever. It's just going to run its course. And then when it's done, that's fine. But I had that experience rather than feeling like, well, that's probably not going to be like a 20, 30 year plan to be in a band. So therefore, I'm not even going to take the opportunity, uh, but just doing it and being like, man, that was that was a lot of fun. That was a cool experience. So then you move on from uh, what I assume is just hair gel and dance moves and you <laughs> decide, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the valet thing while you're there doing the valet thing. Now you got the smile on on the outside, but on the inside, are you feeling like, like, where do I go from here? Because it's tough to top, you know, cheering fans and autographs and pictures and tour buses and all that stuff. So is it kind of messing with your head? Or are you just kind of like, no, like, that's just part of the, it's just This is the next season of figuring out what that next step looks like. Or wh- where's your head at at that point? Man, I mean, I think those are all like natural thoughts to have. Like, I think most people would go, this is a big step down. Like, you're you're downgrading, bro. But I don't know. For some reason, I never really had a lot of that. Um I really felt like, again, I think going, I, I still go back to that moment where my wife and I, uh, and we weren't, weren't married at the time, but when we together prayed and just said, okay, God, like this is where our faith really has to come into play that there's still, there's still a plan, you know, and there's still a, there's still a greater plan. And I trusted that and I can't really describe it. I can't explain it, but sometimes that's all you can do. And I felt that, I sensed that in that moment, and I still sense that now, that, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing, it may not last for five months, it may not last for five years, it may last for the rest of my life, but whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm going to give an honest effort and pour everything, all my time and time and talents and resources that I have into to being the best that I can at what I'm doing. So, I mean, honestly, it's not, that might be kind of corny, canned, cliche uh, response, but that that really is the mindset that I had. And I think it definitely helped to carry me ultimately to where I'm, where I'm at today and what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, so, so you go back to school for the athletic training. Are you thinking you're just going to go do the school and then just find some type of athletic training gig for, you know, some sports organization or whatever, college or whatever, or at what point is the CrossFit starting to pique your interest? Yes. So uh, Jenny and I moved back to Springfield in 2005, 2004, 2005, uh, got married, and I got enrolled at Missouri State. In my yeah, in my mind, I was like, I'm gonna go to school to be an athletic trainer. My, I had grown up. My parents were occupational therapists, and then I had grown up playing sports there at Kickapoo, where where we went to high school. And so it was kind of a natural. Even even when I was in the band and we were touring and everything, I was kind of the guy that always just wanted to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you get to a point in touring where you just get to line check and you don't have to like go through the whole production of sound checking all day and everything. And so if we got to a point where we were kind of hitting steady state on tour and we had the, the most of the day to just kind of do whatever I would, instead of going and seeing movies or going to the mall all the time, a lot of times I was going to the gym and just exercising. And so I kind of, you know, I always had that interest, but the athletic training, that's more in the realm of injury management, injury prevention and everything, and not as much performance-based. And I went to school with the desire to uh, work in a clinic or work with a sports team. I worked hard when I went back to school the first time around, you know, I I wasn't focused. I wasn't 
there with any intent to make good grades. And, and when I went back the second time, it was actually really motivating because I saw what could happen if I actually tried. And I was like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> so this is you know, what it's like when I try. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious, man. It was like I started to apply myself. And I got to point out that I had a higher GPA than my wife. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know for the sake of your marriage if we need to edit that out, but we'll, we'll leave it in. No, now. it's okay. No, you can keep going. I have to point that out because she brought it up yesterday because she she can say it and laugh about it because she knows she is indeed way smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I was that guy. Like all of a sudden in my mid kind of twenties, that was not a little bit less of an, a traditional kind of student, I guess. Like not right out of high school. And I was just really highly motivated. I was the guy sitting in the front row asking questions and just kind of like, everybody's like, shut up, dude. They're going to give us homework. Don't point that out that they didn't give us homework yet. But yeah, I thought I would go and end up in a clinical setting. And CrossFit kind of came onto my radar because a buddy of mine that uh, we also went to school with, Bryce McDonald, he went to the Naval Academy and uh, played football in the Naval Academy and then ended up in uh, San Diego at Camp Pendleton in uh, CrossFit originated out in Southern California. Right. So they were doing it out there. He kind of put it on my map and told me to try it out. And that's kind of the progression there is I, I went and I tried it out. And although I was still in school for sports medicine, um, it started kind of birthing me this like, Ooh, I like this, you know, I like the performance side of things. And, and then I started to see how I could bridge the gap between injury prevention and management and the medicine do no harm uh, mentality, bridge the gap between that and rehab settings and athletic performance. And I think that's what's made me really kind of have more street cred with uh, our athletes and, and just even in the greater CrossFit community is even as the, the, the like I have a performance and human performance related degree. And so the background and the anatomy and the physiology and a lot of that stuff I understand. Yeah, so um, it's, I'm able to, I would think it definitely helps you in terms of it's not just you grunt and you pick things and you throw things and all that stuff <laughs> that, that you guys made me do. But uh, like you understand like what the why behind it, you know, and how it's affecting these muscles and this muscle group and, you know, all of that. So it's, it's more than just we're just doing this to, uh, to kill your body, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, um, I think that's a huge piece actually that you pointed out what you just said there, the why I don't, do you ever watch you? I'm sure you do as a speaker. You've, you've seen a lot of those Ted talks, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We, I watched one actually that would talked about like the three, Hey, like drew the three circles on the board. And he said, you know, a lot of people can tell you what it is that they do and how it is that they do it. But when you really get down to the why a lot of times there's not a great, like, there's not a great answer, like really like tangible, like this is why. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you can go as surfacey or as in depth with that thought as you want. But, you know, I've always felt just in whatever it is that I'm doing, like a great sense of why, you know? Yeah. I felt, I, I felt that I've, I've had a purpose in, in whatever it is that God's allowed me to put my hand to. And I think that that's really helped, whether it be valeting cars or, you know, hair gel and dance moves or 
lifting weights or whatever. Right. That video uh, is by uh, Simon Sinek, and so we'll link up to that in the show notes. But yeah, it's a great video of just like, why are you doing this at the end of the day? You know, it's, it's obviously we all have to work. We all have to eat. We all have to live indoors. We all need a paycheck from somewhere. But if we all got to work, like, why are you picking that thing over something else? And I like something else you said earlier of you have a buddy mentioned CrossFit to you, and this wasn't something that was on your radar at all. But someone just like passively mentioned this, like, oh, you should check this out. You check it out. It really resonates. And fast forward to today and it's you make your career from this thing that a buddy passively mentions to you you know and again it just kind of comes kind of comes back to like those just those opportunities are like let's just try this you may have gone and done a workout and been like eh, it wasn't for me but it's kind of cool but whatever it's not something i want versus now it's like like my whole livelihood is based on a buddy who said you should check this out sometime it's kind of crazy you know it is yes i i totally see that. But I think like you just mentioned there, taking advantage of um, and acting, taking action in the moment, a lot of times can lead to, to great things. And you just never know the doors that could be open. Yeah. So or closed. Yeah, for sure. Both. Yeah, both ways. Absolutely. So whenever you start getting into CrossFit, at what point did you decide that I want to really, this is more than just like, I'm going to work out there a few times, but I want to like, I want to own a gym, I want to own my own box. I really want to start going into this. At what point did that kind of come into play? Golly, once I started getting towards the end of my uh, degree program, I really started to realize I had this choice. I had already been offered a job, uh, the director of sports medicine for one of the health uh, systems here in town, one of the hospitals. He came up to me early on in my program and said, you know, I don't say this to a lot of students, but I'm telling you now, if you jump through the hoops to get through this and you pass your boards, we will give you a job. And so... Like I pretty much on, you know, a silver platter had a job opportunity there with benefits and, you know, salary and everything built in. And I just had this, again, going back to kind of your gut instinct, my heart was with CrossFit. Like I was really, really getting more involved with it and starting to um, uh, just realize, I I think I want to own my own gym and I want to try to do this. And, you know, then then the thought is, okay, well, you're going to have to start with no salary and you're not going to get any benefits and there's no guarantees. So there's a lot of those self-doubt things that start to come into play. But, you know, as corny as it sounds, it was like I followed my instincts. I kind of followed my heart and decided after, uh, after graduating, getting my degree and taking my boards, even though I didn't have to, I kind of wanted to prove to myself that I had gotten everything that I need to get out of the four years that I was in that program. I didn't have to take my boards, but it was like I wanted to put a punctuation mark on on that sentence, that season in my life. So... Uh, yeah, and that's, that's that's just an interesting like stage to be in where it's like someone telling you like if you jump through these hoops like you're guaranteed. And I think there's a lot of people who feel like that who may be in a career right now. It's like you know the path is very clear in front of them. They're on the fast track toward that to steady what we would all describe or society would describe as steady, secure, safe, whatever. Of just climbing that corporate ladder and you see the ladder in front of you to having that opportunity be in front of you and yet still feel like eh, I think I'm going to go over here and do something totally different. Yeah. It's like, it's an exciting place to be, but it's a scary place to be. It's there's, I guess there's a lot of emotions that were associated with it. I mean, it was like, it was a very tough decision. I think back to that time, that season, that four to six month time frame where it was like, okay, you really have to decide which direction you're going to go. And so I ended up, um, I had already kind of started a partnership with 
one of my current business partners now, who her and I are the primary owners in uh, our gym. And, uh, you know, I just, I had a long talk with her and obviously had discussed everything and prayed a lot with my wife about which direction we'd go. And I just felt the peace about uh, moving forward with it. And uh, I felt like we had a benefactor, a guy who had invested a lot in us up front to get things off the ground with, with that, that said to us one time, he goes, you know, I, I feel like the two of you, if you could work together and if you came together in a partnership, it'd just be the perfect storm, you know, thunder and lightning. Just, it'd be, and we kind of joke about it today, you know, but a little hashtag thunder and lightning, but <laughs> it's, but it really, it really has been. Jesse Grove is, is uh, one of my business partners there. And um, we kind of were the day to day in the trenches owners of the business there. And she really, I call her my work wife because she's been a huge catalyst for just our success and um, just balancing me out there at the gym. We, we play good cop, bad cop a lot. So at any rate, that's kind of how it led to go in that direction. I mean, so you've gone from there to competing yourself to hosting games. And, and, and like, I think sometimes when we say like hosting something, this is not like you've got a few people from the area that's showing up. I mean, I know you're hosting something that you've been doing for a few years now that you've got, you know, people from literally all over the country that are coming in and competing. Like this is a real big deal, like on par with what you'd see on, on an ESPN level type competition, right? Yeah, the event is called Heart of America. It's a Heart of America team competition, and essentially it's exclusively for different affiliate or boxes, uh, their teams, to come and compete and, and essentially kind of see where they stack up against everybody else. And it started out very, very humble beginnings. Our first year, like we had maybe 10 teams, like 11 teams, and most of them are all very local. We had one or two teams from St. Louis and like West Plains that came to Springfield, but then it just, it's gradually grown. We've grown from that. So, you know, anywhere from around 60 to a hundred athletes to now this year, we sold out instantly. Uh, when we open registration, we have almost a thousand athletes. Uh, it's like 945, I think total coming in from as far away as Washington state. Nice. Uh, and this is a team, the team that's coming from there, they actually took third place and made the podium at the CrossFit games. Wow. So, so these aren't like weekend warriors. I mean, these are like hardcore people that are that are making it happen. I mean, there's been a clear divergence in paths uh, as far as CrossFit as a sport and CrossFit as like, I just want to use this as a fitness tool. You know, I just want to stay right. in shape with this. People that are doing it at the highest levels as a sport are sponsored athletes. They're making a career out of this. And they're not just training after work to beat you. They're training as a career to beat you. And uh, they're good. <laughs> they're really, really good. They've literally made this their livelihood. And it's just like uh, any other professional sport. They're in season, off season, full year round, doing everything to recover, to train, and in, in everything right when it comes to nutrition and all that. So They can do more burpees in a day than I could ever dream about doing. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. Like at the end of the day, I still, I've also had this kind of like just laid back attitude about what it is that I, we do. I take it seriously, but I also am like, okay, we're exercising guys. So like, you know, like let's stop yelling out. at each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, I think there's a healthy dose that you have to have of just not taking yourself too seriously sometimes and uh, realizing that, you know, this is kind of funny, but the small interactions that I have throughout the day, 
those are the big ones, like the big events and the competing and, um, and, and having a gym and all that stuff. That's, it's cool. And it's obviously my career and I'm very thankful for it. Dude, just in, in terms of what I feel called to and just pouring into people and being there for people. I mean, a lot of that stuff, those are the things I think are, are paramount to driving the success of our community at CrossFit Springfield. And I tell people that I'm like, you know, we get new equipment and stuff like that. It all wear out and it gets old. Um, but what really has staying power in our community is just the moments that we take to be there for each other, to support each other, to encourage each other. I mean, that's the life stuff. Right. So. For sure. Hey, for people that want to find out more about what you and what you do and, and the competition that you're putting on and all that jazz, where can we go to find out more? So CrossFit Springfield is our is our gym and just online you can just put in CrossFit Springfield and you'll you'll find us. But for the Heart of America event, um, if you want to come to this event, uh, it's in Springfield, Missouri, at the Springfield Expo Center. And online you can check it out. We're on Facebook, but also online you can check us out at HeartofAmericaCompetition.com. There you go, Jeremy Meyer, boy band turned CrossFit extraordinaire. So Jeremy, thanks for the time, buddy. Enjoyed it. Grant, thank you so much for having me, dude. It's been awesome talking with you. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend Jeremy Meyer, who is, like I said, a, a boy band member turned CrossFit guru. Wow, what a transition, huh? So if you feel like you're in a spot and you're going, okay, I'm in this thing now. I don't know that I want to do this. I want to get way over there to that thing over there that's totally unrelated. Jeremy's story is definitely a great example of that. As always, you can find uh, show notes, a little summary of the show, links, everything that we discuss. Maybe in the uh, maybe in the, the show notes, we'll have a link to one of their old music videos. I, I went through before I interviewed Jeremy and found a couple music videos that are classic. They're just beautiful. So maybe we'll we'll have one of those waiting for you in the show notes. You'll have to find out. You have to go check it out. You can go to grantbaldon.com slash Jeremy Meyer. That's M-H-I-R-E. Grantbaldon.com slash Jeremy Meyer. Hey, also, if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to the show. You can do that with an iTunes or Stitcher. That way you don't miss any episode at all. Sometimes people forget like, oh, crap, there's a new episode out. Uh, when Whenever you subscribe to it within uh, within iTunes or Stitcher, or you can do it within different uh, podcast apps uh, on your mobile device. That way, every time a new episode comes out, it's automatically downloaded. That way, you never miss anything. We have new episodes coming out every Tuesday, every Thursday. Don't miss one of them. Hey, I mentioned to you at the top of the show that we are doing a uh, giveaway this week with uh, some books from one of my favorite authors, Seth Godin. We are giving away five books, just a bundled pack. As many of you know, I'm getting ready to move to uh, to Nashville, and so uh, I was cleaning out my library. I don't want to take a bunch of stuff with me. So we're trying to downsize a few different things. So I'm going through my office, found a bunch of books that I'm going to be giving away over the next few months. So I've got five books from my personal library that I want to give away, uh, all Seth Godin books. So you can register to win those by going to grantbaldoncom slash giveaway. Again, that's grantbaldoncom slash giveaway. Don't miss out on that. Again, five books, we will ship them to you and uh, hook you up with those. All right. Sound good? All right. That wraps up episode 45. Thanks for hanging out with us. means a lot. Appreciate you. And uh, keep being awesome. And as always, uh, I like to tell you, if there's anything that I can do to help you and support you on your journey to find and do work you love, please don't hesitate to email me. You can email me anytime, grant at grantbaldwin.com. Again, that's grant at grantbaldwin.com. Hit me up on Twitter if you'd like, at grantbaldwin. But uh, you're awesome. I really believe in you. I support you. I'm in your corner. Uh, Whatever I can do to help you, I'm here for. So you're awesome. Have a great week. 
Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.